Hello, and welcome to CAA Conversations. I'm joined today by Amy Sands from Metropolitan State University and Annette Sear from National University, and they're going to be speaking about online teaching for visual arts. Annette Sear is a bi-coastal painter, filmmaker, and professor at National University San Diego, California, where she is lead faculty of art and music and develops online studio and art history courses. Amy Sands is Assistant Professor of Studio Art at Metropolitan State University in St. Paul, Minnesota. Amy has been teaching online drawing courses for over 15 years. And without any further ado, I'll hand the conversation over to these two. Okay, thank you, Ellen. And it's great doing this with you, Amy. Um, first, we're going to talk about what we each teach. So I teach perceptual drawing online to non-art majors. And by perceptual drawing, I mean all the assignments are geared for students to learn how to convert the 3D world into a 2D format. And I keep the focus on that. They use traditional drawing materials, charcoal, pencils, paper, and students do two sketchbook entries a day, uh, plus a few assignments a week, and all of their assignments are submitted uh, electronically. So Amy, what studio courses do you teach online? Yeah, well, first, hello, Alan and Annette, and thank you for having me here. Yes, um, I started teaching, as Ellen mentioned, online back in 2004, back when I think the only search engine being used was Internet Explorer. So it was a long time ago. Uh, I was teaching as adjunct faculty for Minneapolis College of Art and Design, and I had developed two drawing courses. The first being Experience Anatomy, which is a course that utilizes online resources to help students with their application of anatomy within figure drawing. And the second course being Drawing Through a Lens, which utilizes outdoor resources such as nature to look at bugs and botanicals up closely and create magnified drawings of them. Um, both have a scientific base to them and both are geared towards art majors. So I have a fairly long history of teaching online drawing courses and have rolled with the technological developments over the years, you might say, um, and yet, I still seem to get a lot of the, you know, head turned to the side, one-eyed looks when people tell me, or I, when I tell people that I teach drawing courses online. So even 15 years later, people still seem to question how this can possibly work with a studio-based course. That um, leads me to a question for you. Uh, you come from a background of teaching non-studio arts majors, and I'm interested in hearing about what you think the advantages and challenges are of teaching an online drawing course for the non-major. Online I've taught non-art majors, but I have experience in teaching art majors at RISD and Parsons and Pratt, so I can compare what's going on there. I've actually found that the one thing I have to teach non-art majors is art vocabulary, which even beginning drawing students might need, like motif and values and negative spaces and so on. So first they need to know the value. Uh, the First they need to know the vocabulary. Um, and next 
they need uh, more encouragement, I think, at the beginning. But after the couple of weeks, I can be talking with these students uh, just the same way that I did my art major students. So the difference actually kind of dissolves pretty, pretty quickly um, between the two. So Amy, how do you find the online drawing classes work for art majors? What, what are their demands and their needs? Well, I, you know, that's a great question, Annette. Um, I think I have a number of approaches that I take, but uh, most importantly, I try to make the content engaging and create an experience. So I try to get the students out of their studios and out into nature and museums doing research. Uh, such as I like to incorporate scientific aspects to help build a foundation to their research and then really let them take it into their own direction. And I find that students are more engaged with what they're doing when they find meaning within their explorations and in turn have the freedom to reinvent it in their own way. So what, what do you think like the advantages are or uh, the challenges of teaching uh, in an online format, Annette? Uh, well, that's that's a great question, Amy, and we can go on for a long time about, um, about that one. I think the big advantage is uh, students have access 24-7 uh, to online classes, and a lot of my students um, have full-time jobs. Um, some are active military. Um, a lot of them have families. They're the demographic is of a non-traditional student, so that means they're older. Uh, so they have lots of responsibilities, and they're really um, getting their degree and taking their classes around the edges of a very full life. So online is really the way they they can do it. And of course, it's really opening up the people who can go to college by having this kind of format. And the other thing, I had one student that really exemplifies how amazing an online class can be and one of the advantages. This student had a major health issue and the student said that drawing helped the student increase the student's focus and cut down on pain medication. And this student had been a high school teacher and then got back the hope that of going back into teaching and teaching online. And that is, I have to say, the most, um, one of the most gratifying um, experiences I had with teaching online, um, that it really gave something to move this student beyond where they were. So I think that's a big, big plus. I, I will say one of the there's other, lots of other advantages. Students can go back and read the, their comments that we've written. They can read what the other students have written. I have videos, um, lecture, video lectures. I have video lectures in my classes, and students appreciate being able to go back in and, and listen to them and stop them as much as they need to. I think a real challenge is building a community Online, I think uh, it takes an extra effort if you're not live, if you've got a, 
uh, project your empathy and your expertise in an online format. So I think that's where it takes an extra kind of oomph from the professor. So what do you, you know, what do you, how do you find the advantages and disadvantages of, of online, Amy? Well, those are really great points, Annette. And a lot of what I um, think about it is uh, tagging on to that. Um, but one of the main things that I really like is that it's student-centered learning. It has such great flexibility for the complicated demands of the working student. Um, and since the average student typically manages one or more jobs, limiting their time available, this really is uh, a great resource to be able to have 24-hour access to lectures, assignments, demonstrations, and, and it really cuts down on excuses, um, quite honestly, when you're teaching them because they don't have any reason for not accessing things. So, But other, also, I think it's, it's important because we're, we're reaching students in a way that they are comfortable with. Um, the digital revolution is here to stay, and students are entering college with a strong educational foundation from an Internet-based interactive learning structure. I mean, I... Um, I think there's a lot of uh, elementary schools that are incorporating iPads and smart boards into their learning, um, and it, it really has become the norm. Um, but also it teaches students how to properly document their work, and since after graduation they'll need to learn how to digitize their images for any grants or exhibits that they apply to. Uh, so when I'm teaching uh, online, I'm able to help them with suggestions on lighting their work, properly cropping into the image, and so on and so forth. Um, but you can also utilize external links to support the classroom presentations and material. Uh, for instance, I have links connected to anatomical sites so students can learn about the appearance of muscle in different positions or other artists practicing in the field. Um, and I agree with uh, what Annette said, um, you know, grading is streamlined, you can incorporate a rubric, uh, as well as feedback. Students don't always see each other's in-progress work, and it allows for feedback even when they've put the finishing, uh, even before they put the finishing touches on their drawings. Um, but I also think it allows for an easy opportunity to cross-collaborate with other disciplines. Um, maybe some of the challenges in an online course is that not every student is self-disciplined enough to take an online course. Uh, for some, it works great. And for others, they need more of the one-on-one -on -one contact. Uh, so at times, I've set up face-to-face -face or Skype meetings for those that need this extra support. Um, and, and the other disadvantage, I think, is that it actually takes more time to teach an online course than a face-to-face -face course, because you take for granted how easy it is to point to something in a drawing, but when you try to describe an area of a drawing, it may take a whole paragraph to type it out, or, or I'll bring the drawing into Photoshop and then draw with a new layer on top of the drawing to make some suggestions. But this can be an advantage, too, since we don't normally draw on top of student drawings in a face-to-face -face classroom. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's kind of how I approach it. Uh, Annette, do you teach uh, synchronous or asynchronous classes? I teach synchronous classes. And I have to say, I know 
online instructors do both. However, I feel very strongly about the need for synchronous. And what we mean by synchronous is that there's some time when the professor is online live and available to students. And this can be scheduled uh, ahead of time or as needed. Um, asynchronous, on the other hand, is when the class is totally running and there's no designated live interface with the instructor. There can be, but the class is set up so that that's not needed. And I just find that it's really crucial to the quality learning experience for there to be the um, synchronous aspect. Uh, we, so what I do is once a week, there's a scheduled meeting um, and the students know the time. I'm there. They see me on video. They can hear me. They can see me. They also can uh, turn on their own video if they want to. They tend to not do that very much, but they will use the mic and use a live chat. And I feel that the synchronous part is really important for accountability and for kind of engendering trust and in terms of like an emotional need that I think we have. And on the other hand, there's like other aspects where students, um, I can model how to talk about art and they can hear that and then they can do it themselves. So it's learning to talk about drawings and participating in a verbal way. And I think that's what it allows. Of course, now I'm thinking how it also is practiced for the way now we all have Skype interviews for jobs or online um, kinds of things that we do. So there's a professional need to learn to be able to manage this media uh, and be, a, be comfortable with it. And I know as an online student myself, I was very nervous about taking the mic. It was much easier to just use the chat. So I actually insist that my students use their mics so that they get over that uh, inhibition. Um, so I, I think it helps with the participation and questions for the students. Um, so what do, what do you do in your classes, Amy? Well, I think that's um, really important, and I agree. I, I had originally started uh, teaching in a synchronous format uh, where we'd meet through a live chat, and I would review and expand on material that was offered within the classroom. Uh, but then several years ago, I switched to an asynchronous format uh, to create a more student-centered learning opportunity, understanding that Students may be juggling jobs and families, and maybe that online meeting wasn't necessarily being as flexible as I uh, was hoping an online classroom would be. Um, and one of the ways that this works uh, for uh, continuing a discussion in an asynchronous format is to hold critiques um, where the students post their image into this uh, discussion board, and then uh, the class is able to give feedback to them. 
And I feel like it really levels out the playing field for conversation in an online format compared to a face-to-face classroom where sometimes you get one or two students dominating the whole conversation. And and I attach points to their responses and request that they give feedback to at least three people. Uh, So I think there's some accountability there in that I find that the students put much more thought into it in a written format than what is spoken in a face-to-face classroom, actually. Um, I think it's great that the students receiving the feedback can go back and review it at any time, as well as follow up with questions on the feedback given. Uh, And many students will go beyond the three-person feedback requirement and respond to several uh, more. Uh, And then I make up for the direct connection of a live class discussion by holding office hours in in a Google Hangout format where students can chat directly with me and ask questions. Okay, well, that I agree with you that the the chatting and the online really does um, allow for maybe the shyer students to participate more. So that definitely is... uh, an advantage that I think comes with with online. For sure, yeah. I, I can tell you though there's some, well I guess I feel like I still need to be in personal contact with the students and the audio part and the visual part I think is important along with the written part which online classes can do all of that and you can just shift it and develop it depending on your students, whatever works best for them and whatever their needs are, definitely. I have found with the optional classes, optional meetings, it's only the top students that ask me questions, and I feel that the um, established live meetings that they earn points for help the students that tend to be struggling a little bit more. And... Also, if a student cannot attend, it is recorded, so they can listen to it later and write a report, and then they earn points. So they're encouraged to either show up or listen later for points. <laughs> what, what are some of the best practices that you do in teaching drawing in an online format, Annette? I would say one of the most successful things I've done is I originally created PowerPoints for a live in-classroom drawing class, and then I used those as the basis and recorded my audio over it, and these are audio lectures within the class. So that's where the real content is, where students learn the concepts, see the art examples, see the diagrams, Uh, then there's the guidelines for each assignment. They're very Uh, short so that they don't they only listen for a few minutes before they are drawing or sketching which I find works best in a in a on-site class as well and then there's job aids that I've create so students can upload uh, like how to upload your images anything technical they need to know I have in there and then I think an important thing to help an online studio class have the same advantages as a class on-site classroom, 
I have the students take in-progress photos of their larger assignments, and this is the equivalent of walking around a live classroom, and you, you walk behind a student, and you just stand there, and they go, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. Um, it it kind of does the same thing. When they take a photo, they pause, they'll self-correct, or if they don't, it gives me an insight into what their process is, then maybe I can kind of help them if they if they seem to be going off the rails a little bit. So the in-progress progress photo is a definite asset. And I find students also, they like having any kind of sticking points or problems that I see repeating, I can do demos of those live or record one for them. That really helps. They need to have videos in the class of anything that I demonstrated during a live class. I've created a, a little library of those because there are some things you just have to show physically. And so those are little videos. So those are things that have kind of worked for me. And I agree with you, Amy, that, that an online class is not um, easy or accessible for everybody because it does require the student to have some discipline to take initiative, I think. And also I have to push things up the river. Like I will have to instruct the students on how to set up a still life because I want them to have three or four values in it, uh, something below eye level, at eye level, above eye level. So students really have to learn the concepts in order to carry out the assignments in a way that's deeper, um, I think. And I've, I've found that, that that helps them. So what, what about you, Amy? Are there some things that you've found have been really good practices or su particularly successful? Yeah, actually, it's, it's very similar um, to what some of the things that you just said. I, I agree, those in progress, I, I first start with thumbnail sketches that they have to turn in and um, do a few different compositional um, studies, and then and then they have to turn a work in progress. And I find that really helpful because, um, again, they don't always get to see each other's in progress work, and to get that feedback midway is is really valuable. Um, and then they do turn in a the final piece as well, um, and and it allows uh, in in my classes the larger projects are done independently and uh, they can do large paintings or drawings or um, some of them will do digital drawings or even animations. So um, they really are allowed to take these projects into an area of their interest. Uh, and then the, the weekly studies are more done in a sketchbook format. Um, so there's there's different um, things that they're learning along the way, but but mostly I think it's it's important to, uh, as you mentioned, incorporate video uh, demonstrations, um, other links that are helpful uh, that um, help support the material that you're uh, trying to express to the students. But it but it's not just information that you have to relay to them. You have to really uh, create uh, an experience, and and I feel that uh, creating experiences, engaging them, and 
making them active learners and getting them out of their comfort zone and out of their studios and out into nature or out uh, to local museums to do some research. And I think um, that creates the experience that makes it more meaningful to them. Um, but I also find that it's uh, important to have some sense of structure to, to the course. So I use an interchangeable mixture of learning units, artist slide presentations, video demonstrations, uh, internet resources, combined with books to provide a foundation to the lessons that I teach. Um, and many of the readings include a drawing assignment that is directly integrated and, and really can make for an engaging learning opportunity. Um, students are able to see the results of uh, their peers' drawings uh, and therefore can deeper understand the content. Well, I, I have a question for you, Amy. In With the um, anatomy course, what are the students doing? Are they drawing from models elsewhere, or how, how does that work? Oh, that's a great question. Um, uh, a number of things. Uh, uh, I use Sarah Simblett's Anatomy for the Artist book, and so some of the lessons, uh, they are actually working directly with learning uh, how to place anatomy uh, within the figure and doing sketches uh, using the book as a resource, but I also utilize a lot of online links that maybe you wouldn't have in a, a normal face-to-face -face classroom, such as optional anatomical dissections. Uh, there's also a really great Pose Maniacs uh, website that shows anatomy in a bunch of different active positions, and so you can see how the musculature uh, is laid on the body in different aspects of of active positions. So that those are some of the strategies that I use for for that class. Are they are they drawing from do they find their own resources of skeletons or something? Oh, that's a good question too. I guess I didn't answer that part of it. Um, so some might have them go uh, to our local Bell Museum to draw from bones um, to start their learning experience, but I also encourage them to take their sketchbooks with them wherever they go, coffee shops. Uh, there's also a lot of resources uh, in the area so that they can sit at live drawing sessions and and work that way from a, a live model. Oh, that's good. Gets yeah. them out of gets them out of their location and out out into the world, drawing and looking at things. Absolutely. I think that's really great. Yeah, so um, how I guess that maybe leads to how do you structure your courses? I'm really curious if you have um, units and weekly folders like I have or if you structure it differently. It's well, the courses are structured by week and all the materials for each week are within that week, like the lectures, and they build from one week to the next. So it starts out with your basic, typical, I would say, doing blind contour drawings, using a, a viewer, what I call a picture plane to draw, and then all the video lectures are within that week and, and all the assignments they do for that week. And then every week the students have to 
post a total of 14 sketches they've done. And then each week they do that. And at the end of two weeks, they turn them into their midterm portfolio. And at the end of the four weeks, they post it as a their final portfolio. And what what I have to explain is that every course at National lasts for one month and students only take one course at a time and I only teach one course at a time. So it's really super intensive. So that one semester is crammed into four weeks and the students are really working like maniacs the whole time um, to keep up with the work so they can't get behind. Uh, That's really how it works. Oh, that's, oh, that's a really different structure. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's very different. There's no, uh, you know, the mid-semester slump that happens. That does not happen with a one-month format, you know. And I, I created this class based on a, uh, a live class I was teaching. And so I knew what the structure would be based on that experience. And that's what I would say to anyone who is thinking about um, creating an online class to start with a class that you're already teaching and build on that the experience you have there and one way to do it is if you have powerpoints in your class and other assignments pilot some of those assignments in your current classroom and see if students can understand the guidelines that you've written for them and do the work independently. And that will help you learn like what works, what to say, what not to say, so that you you get them understanding what they need to and moving ahead the way they need to. So I, I think that would be a way to start if someone is is thinking about it, you know, because that's, you know, the transition from teaching in a classroom to teaching online can seem daunting basically. So I would just say, you know, start with what you know already and also get help. Don't do it on your own. Like if there's anyone in your school or someone in the the technology department that can help you, I think that's the way to go. Yeah, that's that's some really good advice, I think. Um, And to add to that, I would I would say that um, it's important to understand just how long because it's in an online format I think instructing it sometimes we forget how long these assignments take so do the assignments yourself so you can really feel how much of a workload you're giving your students so definitely you have to know how long the assignments are going to take and it helps the students to know that as well so that they can budget their time and I find that I I have students doing the shorter assignments during the week and then giving them more major ones because typically they'll have more time on the weekend to, you know, really focus on something. So that's how I set it up. Do you ever see the final product in the end, Annette? Not in real life. And I I was really interested that you have the students mail in their sketchbooks, correct? Or drop them off? Yeah, so they they build most of their uh, weekly lessons and taking notes and smaller sketches in a sketchbook format that uh, I label as a process journal. Uh, And I'll see those submissions throughout the week. So sometimes I'll have smaller assignments, 
combined with thumbnail sketches for a larger project due in one week. And when there's uh, heavier on the larger project, like the in-progress turn-in, then maybe I won't have a smaller sketch due that week. So I'll see it in uh, an online format first. Uh, but at the end of the semester, I have them drop off their sketchbook. I have a box in the online learning office. Um, and then I uh, collect that and uh, look at it firsthand. So I guess it reinforces authenticity. Yeah, well, I, think, I think that's I think that's great. My students could be anywhere in the world um, because some of the ones in the military are in Afghanistan or Southeast Asia. So I haven't been able to have them send in the sketchbooks, but I think that's a great idea if you're if you're more regionally based with your teaching. Yeah, I think most of the students are in the house, but when I, I have had students outside uh, of the institution and then it um, is something where I mail it back out to them. So so they do get it in the end. There's ways that you can get around that as well. I just want to say that I really enjoyed this opportunity of talking with you, Amy, because I'm getting lots more ideas and lots of perspectives because we teach in uh, different kinds of institutions. We teach different kinds of students. We have uh, different approaches. And so I think it's really great to have this kind of sharing going on. And I think the whole this whole thing is um, a new process. And we as artists and professors have to be open to finding ways to really make it a quality experience. And it's going to be changing and shifting. And we need to keep moving with that. So, so thank you, Ellen, for this opportunity. And thank you, Amy, for all of this uh, discussion. Oh, I, I second that as well. So thank you so much, Annette. And I've learned a lot um, from how you approach it uh, at National University. And you've given some really solid feedback on how to uh, start a online class and uh, some best practices for that. And I think uh, often, you know, from what I've experienced is that there's a lot of questions about how it can be done. But I do feel online teaching can coexist with a face-to-face -face studio class. Um, and I think we have to ask ourselves if we're truly concerned with the notion of quality instruction being compromised or are we driven by fear of the educational gathering space transforming the institutional building into kind of this un ubiquitous unknown of the internet. So, um, but it, it poses a challenging question uh, for recognizing our shifting social structure and learning to accommodate the educational environment accordingly. As the internet isn't going anywhere, nor is the online platform in education. And what we define as a gathering space becomes a point of contention. So even though this may be different from how we've learned in the past, it's necessary, I think, to recognize and adapt to the shift in educational learning. It doesn't mean that everything has to shift online, but online teaching can, again, coexist with face-to-face -face studio structures. And thank you both so much for being on CAA Conversations. It has been a pleasure.